Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, good whatever it is, and welcome into Hoopsville as we are recording from California. Uh, yeah, we're we're still here on the road in California for non-Division three, non-college sports related stuff. For those of you following, if you're a tennis fan, I'm working for World Team Tennis. We're producing matches throughout the month here in Indian Wells, California, right near Palm Springs. It has been a thrill. It's been awesome. Looking forward to maybe doing this and continuing to do this in the future. Already heard bits and, and pieces about what this future could be. But World Team Tennis has been around. Uh, we're in the 46th season created by Billie Jean King. And I got a chance to produce like I did last year at the Green Briar in West Virginia. And I've been part of this team for now four seasons. So uh, an opportunity couldn't resist. As we said on the first Hoopsville, this would be happening. They would be on the road. Now, haven't been able to to turn around as many quick shows as we were hoping to, mainly because the schedule's been a little bit busier than I actually anticipated, but I'm happy for that. We will get this show out for you, and then we're hoping to do maybe one more right before Thanksgiving, before I return, and then we hope, knock on wood, should everything go according to plan, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, we'll be back in the studios to do a show. We'll do a show the following Sunday, then we'll sprinkle in some Thursdays as we work our way up to Christmas as there's a lot going on. Now, I'll freely admit, uh, I haven't been able to completely keep my foot and ears and eyes and all those things on Division Three basketball like I normally would, but certainly hearing my fair share of information. So today's show is going to be a little light on the heavy-duty stuff and who's doing well and what we're seeing and all that, but we've got some good conversations to be had. We talked to Ryan Scott and Bob Quillman. We bring in our top 25 guys on the men's side not necessarily to talk to top 25, but really kind of just talk about things as the season started and looking ahead at this weekend, especially of big games and really games in the next couple of weeks. We'll get into more of the cycle with those guys as we get a little bit closer um, to December and then certainly as we get into more of the season. And we'll hopefully put a women's top 25 panel together as well to, to feature on the show. Uh, we also talked to two coaches who coached against each other in a women's basketball game as husband and wife, we believe it's the only time that's ever happened. We're just not positive. There certainly could be other examples we're just not aware of. But husband and wife, um, as coaches, going against each other and their, with their teams, we talked to them about it. Rutgers, Newark, and Mount St. Joseph's, uh, it's a great chat with them. Uh, so that's coming up here on the show. Some things that have certainly caught my eye, even though I'm out here in California, is not surprisingly, we've gotten some interesting results in the top 25. Um, we also have some some results we may not have been expecting. Uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. Wisconsin-Plantville, I honestly don't remember if they were on my top 25, where I had them on my top 25, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, because I don't have my ballot with me, and I don't remember how I voted uh, specifically in that nature. But they're off to a tremendously good start this season, and there's certainly one to keep an eye on in what is going to be a very good WIAC race because they're not the only ones who are having good seasons this year. Illinois Wesleyan has gotten a, a big win um, against a, a WIAC team. They're playing well. Uh, Randolph-Macon continues to play well with big wins so far this season. They've got a big game coming up this weekend uh, against Emory and then Marietta. Speaking of Marietta, they took a loss to Roanoke, who was ranked number 20 
in the top 25 preseason poll. Uh, I would have had a chance to see Roanoke play at my alma mater, as you may know, as you're a friend of the show, you certainly know, Clay Nunley, Goucher alum, and we went to college at about the same time with one another. Unfortunately, I'm on this trip, and I'm gonna be on. I'm not gonna be able to see them in action as I normally would at the Gopher Dome, uh, but they got a big win, out rebounding Marietta in that battle, and that that is the kind of game we're gonna see a lot of. And we'll talk more with Ryan and, and Bob about those kinds of results. Um, something else that that jumped out at me is is not necessarily the losses, but just trying to understand teams who are either having good starts or just still trying to find themselves. New Jersey City, who was number 24 in the preseason poll, lost to Alvernia to start the season. They certainly don't look horrible, but you know what, what do you make of losses like that? For some, it's coming out of the season, having maybe not played a lot or played a little bit last year or different pieces and trying to find themselves having not gone through this in essentially two years. Because remember, we didn't have this November last year. Even for the teams who played, didn't really have this November. So, you know, what to make of that? Christopher Newport's off to a pretty good start. Maybe they should have been a top 25 team. I, I didn't vote for him. We talk again with that, with Bob and, and Scott coming up. Um, or Bob and Scott, Ryan and Bob coming up. You know, what do you make of those kinds of teams? So lots of interesting results out there in men's basketball. Lots of, of, of losses, that's going to happen, especially as good teams take on one another. You switch it to the women's side of things. There are certainly interesting developments there. East, ba- East Texas Baptist took a loss. Uh, we talked about that on the opening show where they, they kind of split the Texas weekend. All the schools did. Trinity Texas went one and one East Texas Baptist went one and one Rhodes went one and one etc. Um, they've got actually a very interesting start to their season in East Texas Baptist. They're taking on some pretty good teams, and we're going to really know more about East Texas Baptist and, and some of these other teams that we've had question marks about based on last year, based on the season before, when we get out of November and get into December and the rest of the way. The sales, by the way, took on, um, I believe it was Muhlenberg. Muhlenberg, I think, defeated the sales, if, if memory is serves. I'm double-checking that. Yeah, Muhlenberg defeated the sales 69-61. Gettysburg defeated Messiah 65-55. Listen, Gettysburg probably should be a top 25 team. They've always been good, but it is what it is. You, you can't fault voters who just don't have a lot of good information. And Gettysburg's one of those interesting teams that you kind of wonder. Remember, they got ill at the end of last season or the last full season I should have in 2020, um, right about the time the pandemic was becoming a thing. Now, we were told it was the flu, but it, it, it was with them much longer period of time than you would expect. I've always had the curiosity if maybe they had had COVID. By the way, this is a, a Gettysburg team that already took on Christopher Newport, we should point out, uh, at the, at the uh, event in, um, at Goucher earlier this this. Uh, just a few days ago, really, from when we're posting this, almost a week ago, in reality. Not a lot of other losses, but something like Amherst and Tufts are playing well in, in women's basketball, though, I, I say that, um, it, it doesn't mean they're going to be completely, um, well, I don't know what to make of the NESCACs. We, we, we talk about how the NESCACs are maybe the biggest question mark the NESCAC teams this year because we don't know how good they are because we haven't we've lost so much good talent but they always get good talent and they don't they're not able to keep the talent as many other schools can through this pandemic so I'm kind of curious and, and by the way to flip back to the men's side of things I totally forgot to mention Mass Dartmouth 
meant to mention them with Platteville. Mass Dartmouth is off to a tremendous start, including a win over number 11 Tufts. So fascinating results to start this season, and it's been fun to watch, albeit from afar. Uh, I haven't been able to be as in-depth as I normally am, but it's been fun to see these results, see these teams kicking back to the floor and getting games played. That all said, we're still dealing with COVID. We're still dealing with a pandemic. I believe, if if my information's correct, the Amherst game against um, uh, New Jersey City um, has been called off in women's basketball, possibly, I, I don't know, I, I don't want to go too far, but possibly because of COVID. I do know of other games we have seen that have been called off because of positive tests. We saw it in the fall. No surprise we're going to see it in the winter. And really, because it's the winter sports, we may see it a little bit more prevalently. This, as much as we will hear, and you will hear on this show us talk about things are normal, things aren't normal. There's still the, the, the possibility of positive tests, the possibility of close contacts, even those who are vaccinated. Each school has different ideas of how they want to handle those things. Conferences may have ideas of how they want to handle these things. No, it's not last year. It's not. But it's still going to play a role, and it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out as time moves on. Uh, So great results. We're off to a tremendous start. The season is technically, as I record this, three weeks old, right? Is that right? Yeah, we started, no, two weeks old. We started early. (laughs) It's thrown me off. But I'm looking forward to seeing how now we get towards Thanksgiving. Conference games are going to start looming on the horizon for a lot of teams Tournaments like the Great Lakes Invitational that's taking place are going to are going to start revealing some more results and more battles that we want to see, and things like the D3Hoops.com Classic, of course, is going to be a big one as well um, in in Las Vegas. Um, other things, by the way, I forgot to mention um, Stockton or Stockton got a big win. Lacrosse got a big win. Uh, Stockton actually playing, I think, a conference game. Lacrosse beat Augsburg in overtime, 75-74, just recently. Um, again, it's fun to see these games coming in, um, and, and it's fun to see how things are playing out. Uh, I can't get to all the scores like I normally would. I don't have the full breakdown like I normally do. I apologize for that. I promise you. We get back from California. We get back from the Division Three Men's and Women's Soccer Championships and we're going to get back into our more normal hoops fills, and we're going to we're going to work our way towards January, and then it's and then it and then we know what it's going to be like. It's going to be full on from there. I do want to mention before we go uh, the somewhat surprising, at least in my opinion, announcement that came just before we recorded this: that St. Joseph men's basketball coach Jim Calhoun has officially stepped down as head coach, effective immediately. Associate head coach Glenn Miller has been been put in as the acting head coach. That certainly is not a surprise. We all knew that when Jim Calhoun stepped aside, this would be Glenn Miller's team. Glenn Miller, of course, has been coaching the team when Calhoun couldn't, especially in second halves of games, etc. According to the quote, and I'm reading the quote, uh, Calhoun says, it's just the right time. I'm healthy. My wife, Pat, is healthy. And the USCG men's basketball team is healthy. We built this program starting from scratch about five years ago, and now the team is in a good place. We've got a great new facility and accomplished a lot on the court the past few seasons. I plan to be involved with the university, but there are a lot of things that I would like to do, and it's time to spend more time with my wife and family. 
We certainly understand that. He was 47 and 17 in the, in the beginnings of this program. Uh, remember, they got to the NCAA tournament in 2020 um, and, and were one of those teams that we were, certainly were all excited to see in the tournament. And one of, was an amazing season. He finishes 80 wins short of 1,000 for his career, a 920 and 397 mark. Um, I will be honest, I'm selfish in saying we were looking forward to having St. Joseph's at the D3Hoops.com Classic in Las Vegas this December. They will be there. I'm disappointed it appears now that Jim Calhoun will not. Uh, we will effort to get Jim on the show if it's not here in the immediate future. We will try and get him maybe in the very near future because what I would love to talk to him about is, you know, we talked to him early on when the team was just being formed. I'd love to talk to him now looking back at the experience of being in Division Three, what they were successful and how they were successful, and can they continue to do that at St. Joseph, and just how good this team really is. I want to hear his perspective. Remember, this is a coach. Not a lot of these coaches like Jim Calhoun coming to Division Three late in their careers, and so I'd love to get his perspective, and we'll certainly work to effort that. So, again, coming up in the show, we will talk uh, the uniqueness of coaching one against one another as spouses, as husband and wife. Again, we believe it's the only time it took place. We could be wrong, but we'll talk about how Rutgers Newark's team and Mount St. Joseph women's basketball teams took to the floor, battled one another, and how the teams kind of got a kick out of themselves, but also for a good fundraiser at the same time. We'll talk about the whole origin to it all the way back to how this all started as a relationship. We'll also, and coming up shortly, I say also, but coming up shortly, we talked to Ryan Scott and Bob Quillman. We have a nice long conversation about the top 25, uh, and we talk about the start of the season for men's basketball. Then we'll get to the spouse and all that, and then we'll wrap up our show. You're listening to Hoopsville. It's presented by D3Hoops.com. We're not necessarily coming to you from the NABC studios, but we'll call them the ad hoc um, Western Campus of the NABC studios. Of course, I want to thank our partners at Blue Frame Technology and the WBCA as well for their help. We'll be back with more Hoopsville talking all about how this season has started on the men's basketball side when we come back. Follow us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Sports.com or Facebook.com slash Hoopsville and Instagram at D3Hoopsville as well. Back with more. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Cheer for the stumbles. The heat should have had that. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, 
or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. Welcome back to Hoopsville, kind of a ad hoc edition here as we are into the season fully. I hope you've been buckled up. There's been lots of results. And now joining me, a fun segment we've added the last couple of years is Ryan Scott and Bob Quillman. We're not going to dive in our usual top 25 thing. We need more time before we can really do all that. But we also haven't talked to them this year. So they're joining me via Zoom here on the Blue Frame uh, Technology Hoopsville Hotline. And gentlemen, first and foremost, great to see both of you. Good to see you, Dave. I'm glad we're here able to talk about basketball games that are being played with fans in the stands and a lot of on the line. So it's great to be here versus where we were a year ago. Sure. Absolutely. I'm just excited to be talking about Division Three basketball. Yeah, that's the truth. Um, first and foremost, it, it's great to get into it. Uh, we, you know, we could do a whole show on how difficult it was to do the preseason top 25, but I don't think we want to go through that PTSD again necessarily. But I am kind of curious, just your initial just reactions to being able to see games out, you know, going to, to know what's coming up ahead, just kind of your feelings about the season that you had coming in. Yeah, I would say so far, it's been really helpful that there's been so many good matchups and we're only here at November, you know, mid-November. And so to be able to see so many games that allow you to evaluate teams versus each other, you know, good teams playing good teams, that's been the takeaway for me so far. We started early this year. You know, we could debate whether that's good or bad, but there's been a bunch of really helpful games so far. I know, Ryan, you've been watching things. I mean, what, what's your take so far on the early going? Yeah, it's been good to have these games. I'm not sure we know quite what they mean yet. But I think once the season works itself out, having the chance to go back and see these matchups will, will really be helpful. Um, I just I know they're not great and they're certainly not great at this time of year, but I just looked up at the Massey ratings today and they do the projected wins and losses for every team based on their numbers. And the lowest number of losses they had for any team in the country was six as the projected losses, which is super unusual. But I think that probably is going to be pretty accurate this year. I don't think we're going to have too many teams that go through this thing um, without taking some hits. And that's exciting. I mean, not to be a coach or a player, but it's exciting for the rest of us. You're, you're absolutely right. I'm not expecting any undefeated seasons. I'm not expecting one loss seasons. I'm expecting a couple of hit seasons, uh, to be sure. Uh, I, I think I'd be more surprised if we got that. And, and it includes groups, you know, teams like Randolph-Macon and Yeshiva, uh, and some others, um, may, maybe Yeshiva is the exception just due to the conference, but they're also challenging themselves early in the season too. But so is Randolph-Macon, so is Marietta. So to your point, Bob, there's a lot of great matchups with a lot of the top teams. No one's really hiding per se uh, in this post-pandemic, or not post-pandemic, but post-shutdown uh, season. And, and Ryan, to your point, I love your point. You know, we're going to go look back at November coming up in February how do we evaluate those games? Some of those games we might turn back and go, oh, that, that wasn't what we thought it was going to be. Or we're going to turn around and go, man, that, that, was, that was the game that's going to help us with a ton of things down the road. Or it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a deciding factor in the committee conversation and all that. It, you're, it's been a fascinating November. And, and to be honest with you, I'm surprised because I really thought we would get a slower 
November or a quieter November because we're coming out of this shutdown and maybe people were a little bit um, more at ease or trying to keep things from uh, getting you know too much travel or or teams going uh, interacting with too many others. I, I, maybe I'm the only one who's a little surprised. Any thoughts on that, Ryan? I think maybe a, a number of teams just rolled over non-conference agreements that they had from previous years, and so it may not have been so much like you know we planned to come out of COVID with this big you know uh, lineup of games, just simply that this is what was scheduled last year. Um, and, and this is what we're getting, um, I, it, you know, even the teams that played last year, didn't play the schedule they were planning to play. Right. And they played on different dates and different teams. And so I, I suspect that this is all just trying to scramble for a schedule in the midst of not knowing what was going to happen. Bob, Bob, any reactions to, yeah, I think Ryan's that? exactly right that, you know, I know like with, with Illinois Wesleyan, they were supposed to play Oshkosh last year and they ended up rolling that into the, to their Jack Sigma invitational tournament. So what you're seeing this year is just the result of where the schedule was a year ago and all of those non-conference cancellations that got rolled into 2021, 22. And now those games are being played. I think teams for the most part, are assuming this is a normal season. Now, there's certainly a lot with COVID that everyone's got to be aware of in terms of the games and fan policies and all of that. But I think in general, on average, across 400-plus men's teams and women's teams, the people are assuming this is a pretty normal year and they're just kind of rolling along as if it was pre-pandemic for the most part. I'll throw a curveball on you guys. I didn't warn you about this, but we all talk to coaches. We all talk to even administrators uh, about what's going on in any regular season. What's kind of the theme that you guys have been hearing from the coaches per coming out of the, of the shutdown or the, the semi shutdown or, or coming off of, you know, these challenges, as you say, Bob, you know, dealing with sometimes testing, sometimes dealing with different crowds and all that. What, what's kind of the general sense you guys are hearing from coaches? I would say from my standpoint. What I've heard for the most part. Oh, go ahead, Ryan. Sorry. No, go ahead, Ryan. <laughs> I'm just saying what I've heard from the most part is once we got through September and the schools kind of understood where they stood with everybody coming back and where, you know, where their um, testing was going to be a lot more um, ease and calm amongst the schools. The coaches had, took a big breath once they got to practice and they knew what the situation was going to be and what the guidelines were going to be. And things weren't spiking. They were able to, to really treat this like a more normal season. And I would just echo that. I think that the theme for me, Dave, has been that no one in my conversations has even mentioned COVID or the pandemic. Mm. You know, all the coaches that I'm talking to, we're having basketball conversations. And at no point, literally, in all of my coach conversations, have, have I heard a coach yet say, there, you know, we're, we're, we're dealing with this with COVID or that. Now, look, cross our fingers, that may change. We may run into to something where that changes. But for right now, with, with where we are here in November, I've just been amazed that looking back on where we were 365 days ago to now, I'm not even hearing anyone really talk about huge implications from the pandemic. And I knock on wood, I hope that continues. Yeah, no, good point. And, and, I think we've seen a few small signs of maybe some issues with teams, but I would agree with you. It's not an overarching conversation other than we just know it's underlying. It's sitting there. We know it's going to be part of the season. We just don't know its impact. 
All right, so let's let's get to the ones I threw at you guys that you knew was coming. Um, normally in our top 25, we talk about who's overrated, who's underrated and all that. And, and we need time there because the preseason top 25, as we said, was challenging. Um, and, and we want to see new top 25s. We want to see some more games. We know we've got, got some good games coming up. But I am kind of curious, based on the top 25 that you guys did um, and, and really where we are now, are, are there any teams that you have a hard time still to judge or you think could be a surprise? And, and those sound like different questions, but in reality, maybe you're having a hard time judging them because you think they're going to surprise or something along those lines. Or are there teams that are just kind of sitting there on or off of your top 25 that you're just, you're, you're struggling to figure out quite right? And, and Bob, we'll start with you if you don't mind. <laughs> yeah, I would say one that comes to mind is a team that I did not vote for that I think could be in the mix and that's uh penn state harrisburg mm. that's a team that had a very good run at the end of 1920 they returned most of that nucleus i don't think they played last year or if they did it was i can't remember was it minimum i don't think they played last no, year penn states didn't play now and and they're one of those teams that their schedule doesn't allow us to get a great feel for where they are and so uh, Penn State Harrisburg is one that I know there's several people around that follow things very closely that think that they're a top 25 team. They mm. might be, but I haven't yet been able to assess that based on, you know, the caliber of the, the teams they're playing. The other one for me, I'm going to go way up near the top of the top 25, and that's Yeshiva. Um, you know, look. I don't know if Lycoming is a great team or not. Eastern Connecticut State, um, Yeshiva's enrolling over people. They're an amazing team. I think I had them two. And if I had to vote right now, I'd have them one or two. But it still has to be said that their schedule is very challenging to figure out what their results mean because they're not playing a great schedule, at least not at this point. And, and that makes it very difficult, I think, to figure out if Yeshiva's one, are they five, are they eight? I believe they're one or two, but it's not always easy to figure that out. No, I, I think you raised good points. I, I love the fact you brought up Harrisburg, because interesting enough, Yeshiva and Harrisburg faced off in the second round of that yeah, 20 did. tournament that got shut down. And, and I mean, Yeshiva rolled them, but really, to be honest, you're right. I think Harrisburg does have a lot of good talent. And I, I, I Great, great one to pick up there. And then I think I think we all would agree. We all like Yeshiva. We all think Yeshiva's good. I'm in the same boat with you. I've got them pretty high up, but the same questions. And I know they're trying to improve their their, their schedule, and, and certainly they'll be playing your alma mater coming up later in the season, knock on wood. But agreed, there's still stuff like their conference schedule that leaves a lot to be desired, as, as it were. And that's not all Yeshiva's fault, but it does make it challenging. I, I like those two. Um, Ryan, did you have any well, what came to mind for me was a couple of pairs. So um, Oneonta has got a D1 transfer in who's a really good player, um, you know, going to be right up there in the All-American conversation. And I thought Oswego has also played really well early on. But those are those teams that you want them to play each other, right? You, don't, you may see that they're playing pretty well. Their schedules are not super strong. And you want to wait to see them play each other. And the other one is I feel like both Rowan and Stockton have had some good uh, results early on in the season. And that's another one. They're in the same conference. And it's really until you, they play each other, right? One of them might be much better than the other, but we can't really tell until they get on the same floor and, and we can see some of those things. Um, 
the other one, and I think uh, Bob can probably speak to this, Cal Lutheran took a Midwest trip to start the season off and they're not beating world top, you know, caliber teams, but this is a team that only won five games the last time that they played or maybe the year before, but they've, they've not been teams we've talked about. And now they're also bringing in some of those Midwest SOS numbers back to California with them, which could really make things interesting as we, as we go down the line. It's a great point. And the fact that they look, they beat North central, correct. Wasn't that one yeah. of their wins and, and, and North central, picked fourth in the CCIW returns a, a ton, uh, including Blaze Meredith. They brought in a, a transfer in Helwig and they're a pretty good team. Like that one caught my attention. I was like, wow. So that is a, that is a great one. Like Cal Lutheran, not on the radar <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. And all of a sudden now they are. Those are, those are some darn good picks there, gentlemen. Uh, yeah, no Cal Lutheran. I actually forgot about Cal Lutheran's results and it, I've been busy. Uh, so thanks for bringing that up. Uh, Cause I remember reading it and it, again, it was one of those where I'm reading it late at night going, that's gotta be a typo. And I put the phone away. So I, I didn't, <laughs> I find it fascinating that teams are doing that too. Cause Cal Lutheran making that trip. That's very un Skyac, but we started seeing right before the pandemic, some of that starting to change. And I regret that I'm not gonna be able to see any Skyac teams while I, I'm out here in California, the schedule just doesn't allow, but um they're at least coming to go play some teams early on outside of the D3hoops.com Classic. And that's not a knock on the Classic. That's just about the only time we usually get to see those matchups. Uh, or, or a team decides, hey, I, I want to go visit Southern California for a few days around Christmas. Um, so, no, Cal Lutheran, hats off. And then to get the results on top of that. Spectacular. Um, anybody under the radar? I mean, you might have hit some there. Uh, and I realize that. But is there any under the radar that either don't have a – results that you were expecting um, or maybe he's better than they're producing. And, and we're just kind of in a, in a post COVID slump a little bit, Ryan, we'll start with you. Well, I think the team I wanted to bring up and it's been a head scratcher for me, it's Christopher Newport. Um, yeah. Good one. That they didn't appear in the preseason top 25 was kind of mind boggling to me. I think a third of the points they did get all came from by ballot. <laughs> um I expected a lot from them and I feel like they've even outperformed what I expected. Mm -hmm. You know, they've, they've got some good wins. They've played really well. And I feel like this is as good a team as they've had there in, including the times they've made the final four. That's for interesting. Me, the, the, the big one for me is Linfield. I voted for Linfield and I was very surprised that they didn't make it into the top 25. They're the favorite. Now they're the favorite by like one poll point, but they're the favorite in the Northwest Conference over Whitworth. Someone gave Whitworth a number one vote, actually, which really to me was a head scratcher. Probably Linfield. But, yeah, that's right. Well, no, I mean in the top. Well, they know, I know. Yeah, true. Yeah, they've point. got an actual. But I, I believe Linfield is loaded, and is a team that could be a top twelve type team, top fifteen certainly. So I think right now they're under the radar. The other team. I need to see more games. I think Calvin, when you look at what Calvin returned, some of their studs that didn't play last year, and then they pick up a division two transfer that was a starter at the division two, they have a lot of talent and I'm looking forward to seeing them play more strong competition. Calvin and Illinois Wesleyan play um, this coming weekend, but I think Calvin could very easily be a top 25 team that no one is uh, talking about right now. That's fascinating. I, I, it, to your Christopher Newport, Ryan, I had him on that bubble for my top 25. And I just looked and I it felt like they had lost so much that I couldn't get a good read. I know 
Krikorian is going to put a good team on the floor. I just need to see what that team is before I dive in. I, I didn't want to do what we're all accused of. And, and I don't get a chuckle out of this of, Oh, it's Christopher Newport. I just put him in my top 25 because historically they're a top 25 <laughs> team. You know, we get accused of that all the darn time. And, and, and that was a little bit in my head. I didn't have enough information until Linfield. I, I, Bob, interesting. I had a different read on Linfield. I had a read on maybe that year was good that we saw. They certainly kind of tossed up the, the Northwest conference a bit uh, by shaking things up. You know, it wasn't the W's anymore, but was that, that was two years ago, you know, to our conversation that I had on your show, Bob, it was two seasons ago. How, how do I relate that to now? And so I left both of those off my ballots and I found it interesting. You bring up all the points that I was questioning, you know, it, yeah, that's it's just that kind of year. You know, we, we've talked about this, but you're left to go two two seasons back in a lot of, and figure out like, well, what did I think about that team heading into last year when they didn't end up playing, or maybe they played six games or something. So all of these things we're saying, there's a reason for it. You know, like when I say that I'm surprised Linfield didn't make the top 25, I guess I'm really not surprised because it's such a crazy year. I just, uh, I think they're a team that should be in there, could be in there and, and we'll see, they'll get their chance to earn their way in. But you know, all these teams we're talking about, Oneonta, Ryan brought up. I think that's another great one. I think they're a team that absolutely is on the radar right now. Co-College in Iowa, I think, is on the radar. Buena Vista, although they've lost a, a game already, could be on the radar. But whoever didn't vote for these teams, you can't fault them because <laughs> it was pretty much impossible to do so. Fair. Yeah. Uh, one more name I was just going to bring up to, to watch, at least, is UMass Dartmouth. Um, hmm. it's an interesting team. They played last year. They played very well. They brought everybody back. Um, I'm not sure how good they are, but they, uh, are hosting Tufts for Tufts first game this weekend. So that's going to be another test right off the bat to see exactly where this team is, is sitting up in new England, which is a big question mark because of how few teams played last year. Well, and, and you bring up Tufts coaching change that we've probably forgotten about. Um, you also have the NESCACs. How did, how did they, um, how, how have they fared in this, in this post shutdown, you know, students didn't stay. I talked about that on an earlier show and all that. So that's a fascinating matchup for a host of reasons. Um, looking forward to that, uh, early impressions on the season. Uh, we are pre-taping this before this airs. So there's a little bit of lag between when we're talking and when this finally gets on the interwebs, but or just early impressions on what you've seen and what we've got coming up, um, and just kind of maybe the, taking the temperature of, of, of the room, as it were. You know, for me, Dave, I, I think that there's a, there's a group of teams at the top where there's some separation with, with the rest. You know, we've talked about parity. I may almost be going the other direction so far this season and that I think that Randolph-Macon, Yeshiva, Illinois Wesleyan, Platteville, in particular, now there's some more to add to that group. I just don't know who they are yet. I think there's pretty good separation between that top five-ish tier and then the rest of the top 25. Now, we'll see as the non-conference plays out. But I, I believe there's a group of teams that are legitimate national championship contenders. And then there's a group that are solid top 25 teams so far, that's been my take. Like, as if I, and I would put Wisconsin Oshkosh 
right near that tier as well after seeing them. So I'm looking forward to more games between these teams to see if I'm right or wrong about that separation. I, I, I don't know that I'd say the opposite take, but I feel like um, the way we've seen teams play and the sharpness of some of the teams this year has really been a little shocking in the sense that I, I agree with Bob that I think there are some contenders and there are some maybe second tier teams, but I'm not sure we know who they are. You know, I feel like obviously Randolph-Macon and Platteville have both won their games and they've done what they needed to do, but I haven't felt like either of those teams looks as sharp as maybe somebody like uh, Yeshiva or a Christopher Newport or an Oshkosh who have just looked like they're in midseason form early on. And so I, I just feel like this is one of those years, you know, often we, we, we kind of know what direction it's going to go in. Right. We may not know who the winner is going to be at the end, but we can see the path the season's going to take. And I just feel like we don't have that this year. I think there's going to be a lot more surprises and, and we're going to have a lot more things that we have to learn in February as opposed to, to, to sort of being proven correct. It's interesting. I, I think both takes kind of are similar. I, I get your point, Bob, that, yeah, I could see there being a separation, but I also see a ton of parity maybe right below them, but to some degree with all these transfers and guys who stayed or, or and women who stayed, um, uh, while we're not talking about them too much, but it's still the same conversation. Those who left, how those impacts teams that are deeper than they normally are because of those decisions. It, it feels like we might have more parity, but to your point, we also might have teams that are just absolutely huge and, yeah, and separate some- themselves. I think there's some teams at the top that kind of rolled into this year kind of as finished products, you know, teams that really returned most of their rotation, just hit the ground running. And again, to stress, I don't know who all those, those teams are. I rattled off about four that I think for now I'm really sold on. I was pretty sold on Marietta before, you know, they lost to Roanoke and had a tough game against Christopher Newport. Um, who else is in that elite tier? I'm not sure. There's other teams in there, but I think there's probably six or seven or eight teams, and then there's a drop-off. I'm looking forward to figuring out who the, the seven or eight are at this point. You know, like, give you an example. Wash U, they return Jack Nolan, and you're thinking, well, they're, they're a national championship contender. You know, they needed a buzzer beater to beat Milliken. Picked dead last in the CCIW. They scored what in the low 40s and points or something like that. Now, maybe that was just opening game, bad game. They might roll through the rest of their, their schedule. But there's some teams like that that I've watched and they don't look like I expected them to. Yeah. Looking forward to seeing how that plays out. Well, and Brian, before I get your rebuttal, to to the point though, on Marietta and Roanoke, Roanoke's in my top 25. Marietta's pretty high up in my top 25. Maybe that's a proof that not that Marietta isn't as good as we thought they were, but that teams like a Roanoke or others are going to be better than we expected them to be. So it, it's almost both of your arguments could be played out there and back to what we said at the very beginning. For sure. We could be in January and February looking back at a Marietta Roanoke game going, oh, that's what that was telling us. And, and, and before Ryan jumps in, I'll just say that like Roanoke was one of the teams I listed as like under the radar. Like I voted for them in the preseason poll they're really good and they proved it. So yeah, your point's very fair. It's like, that wasn't a bad loss by Mary. Yeah. Roanoke's a really good team. Well, and it's, it's still early, right? I mean, I, I know when I'm doing my ballot in February, 
I discount some of these games, especially if it's the first game of the season or right. like, you know, it's the night before Thanksgiving break or whenever <laughs> some of those contingencies, right. That, that, you know, are not the normal game, you know, Marietta got, I think they got out rebounded by 20 wow. against Roanoke. I mean, it was, it was bad. And, you know, that's a team that has size and they're certainly capable of rebounding. And so that's one of those things that, you know, maybe by January or February, they figured that part out and it wouldn't have been a close game, you know, under a circumstance that uh, the teams have had a couple of months to work on it. And so it's one of those things you just don't know at this point what that's going to mean. But at the same time, Marietta might just struggle to rebound all year and that's just going to be their problem. And we don't know what those things are just yet. And, and I think for me, we call it parity, but to me, I think it's it's just how much the execution and the lack of mistakes matter in terms of going from a 15-win team to a 25-win team. You know, I, I think there's probably 200 teams out there that have the talent to be a Sweet 16 team, and it just depends on how well they're executing and how consistently they can they can avoid turnovers and and play their game. And we just we don't know what that's going to look like this season and who those teams are going to be. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, agree completely. I, I find it fascinating and I love both your takes because again, I think they're different, but saying the same thing. Um, and so love it uh, before I let you guys go, any you know thoughts on, on what's ahead. Uh, obviously we'll, we'll be getting this out shortly as we're recording this, but what's ahead really, what are you going to be watching? What are you looking forward to? Again, great matchups. I know that, but you know, what are we, what are you, what are you kind of honing in on? And, and Ryan, we'll start with you. Well, I'm headed to Marietta this weekend for the Great Lakes Invitational. So we're going to get to see Emery and Wabash and Marietta and Randolph Macon is going to be there. And Hendricks, I'm really looking forward to seeing Seth Stanley. I have not seen him play at all, but a really good player at Hendricks. Um, just to see how they match up in some of these games. Um, and and I think we're going to continue to see good matchups um, right up until the conference season start. And so that's really what I'm looking forward to this year is, is seeing high-level basketball and seeing teams take losses and how they recover from that. We don't get to see that from the top teams that often. And Dave, I would say I'm also looking forward to the Great Lakes Invitational that, that Ryan is heading to. I'm very jealous he gets to go to that. I wish I could be there. But you got some great tests there. You know, if you really drill down into it as well, I'll just add, I'll, I'm looking forward to Mary or to Randolph Macon's upcoming schedule in mm. the next several weeks where they get Marietta, New Jersey City, Christopher Newport, Virginia Wesleyan, and Roanoke. Those, those games are all before 12-4 that I just rattled off. So kudos to Randolph-Macon for playing such a great schedule. And I'm looking forward to figuring out where they stand. I, I think they're a legit number one team, and they're, they're testing themselves, and we're going to know that. There's also some other one-off good games around. Um, Illinois Wesleyan at Calvin comes to mind this upcoming weekend and there's several like that so I think it's every day you click on the scoreboard on d3hoops.com you go down there boy you can find five or six really good ones and it's great to be back in that place because a year ago we just weren't no a year ago we didn't even have games we were hoping teams could get to the floor um, in January maybe I think some teams maybe tried early on it's all a blur uh, but um, looking forward to it. Gents, really appreciate it. Great stuff. Thank you so much. Looking forward to getting you guys back on the show. Look, listen, I'm enjoying California, but I'm also looking forward to getting back into the studio uh, and, and getting right back into the flow of things. But thanks for taking the time. Final thoughts before we let you go. Bob, we'll start with you. 
Good to have Hoopsville back. Appreciate it, Dave. Appreciate all the time you're taking to do this, even though you're on the road. And <laughs> uh, great, just great to have Division Three men's and women's basketball back pretty much full speed. It's uh, It's been great to see. Yeah, just people enjoying the basketball has been fun. You know, we've got announcers, we've got fans in most places. I think there's still a few places that they, they don't have spectators in, but, um, you know, we're getting to see games and, and the students are getting these experiences that they missed out on last year. And that's what's really important. And I think we're going to see better basketball because of the perspective uh, that we've had the last season. And, and I think that's true for all of us. And that's really exciting. Well, thanks guys again for the time. Really appreciate it. Look forward to chatting with you, getting your takes on things down the road, especially tell the guys on the boards. I say hi. I haven't been there in a while. Uh, and uh, we'll look forward to catching up with you uh, on, a, on a hoop zone in the near future, guys. Thanks again. Thanks, Dave. Bye. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, as we continue to have this recorded show in progress. Of course, I'm still in Palm Springs and Indian Wells. Looking forward to getting back to the studio at the end of the month. I'm hoping maybe we can get one more show out the door uh, after uh, this one as well. Not as many as we'd hoped, but certainly try and get you one more. Uh, now we're going to talk about an interesting uh, matchup early this season that we believe has never happened in any of college basketball, and that is a wife and a husband coaching against one another in an actual regular season game. It's been out on Twitter that this game was coming, and no one's refuted the fact that we believe it's the first husband and wife game, which is rare to say the least uh, for a lot of reasons. But for Mount St. Vincent and for Rutgers Newark, it was an opportunity for the coaches to go against one another with their teams. And from what I'm hearing, the teams were pretty up on this one. So I got a chance to, to sit down with the head coaches that were involved, Phil Stern from Mount St. Vincent, and of course, Ashley Saplicki from Rutgers Newark. Both teams looking to have good seasons, but they had to get against one another first, and we chatted about it. Now joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, presented by Blue Frame Technology, via Zoom, it is the two coaches we've been talking about. Is Ashley Saplisky, I, I can get it, and Phil Stern joining us to talk about the game that was and the relationship that apparently is still on. 
thanks for joining me for this one. I appreciate it, you guys. Thank you. Thank you very much. Let's quickly go back first. Obviously, we've, the game's ha been played and, and you guys have, have, have faced off now. We'll talk about that in a minute. But it's one of those quirks that there's always relationships in coaching. We certainly see that. It's not uncommon to see coaches meet each other across uh, a lot of different places. And sometimes it's different coaches, uh, different sports, I should say. I, I'm kind of fascinated where how you guys met and then why it took so long to, to get this game done, just in my opinion. But um, wherever you guys want to start, where, where did this, where did all of this start, really? Where was the origin story of this whole thing? I guess yeah, I'll go. Yeah, go ahead, Ash. Okay. So years ago, when there were tournaments all over the place, I was at Holy Family and Phil was watching a game in an AU tournament. And so was I, we were the only two people there. Um, at the time, my uncle was the coach of Syracuse women. Um, so we kind of just started talking about that. He kind of uh, told me a job was opening up for him and I kind of blew that off and we didn't see each other again for probably five years. And then I was working for one of his really close friends at FDU Pizzanella and we were at an AAU event and we were all just talking and that's how it started. <laughs> <laughs> we should point out, Phil, you were at UMBC at the time. Yeah. You were a longtime coach. Um, is that the same story you have of, of this one? I mean, it's oh, pretty, yeah. it's pretty accurate. I, I mean, I think she was following me around <laughs> in, in DC, but that's, uh, that's pretty accurate. I mean, you know, but then we had, we had so much in common and uh, her dad's a longtime high school coach in uh, New Jersey has 500 wins. And, you, you know, so really I liked him more than her. <laughs> it was a good family to be a part of. She said her, her uncle was the Syracuse coach. It's funny. I've never met. We never ran into each other in my 25 years as a coach. And then, uh, and her cousin was the Vermont men's assistant. So there's just so many things that intertwined, uh, that it was, it was really easy. Definitely coaching is in the family. Uh, mm -hmm. that is clear. Yeah. Um, but you know, again, the challenges of being coaches, you guys, especially at the division one level, the life of a coach is so different. Granted, in division three, there's no limit to when you can recruit. There's no limit to when other things take place, but you're still really busy in division one. How in the world, especially when you're in two different locations, are you able to try and even, I mean, to be honest with you, chat with one another? I'm, I'm fascinated that that was able to come together considering all of the barriers and limitations and, oh, I've got to be here and I've got to be there type things. You pointed out it took five years for you to even bump back into one another. Yeah. I think, um, I, I think we used to keep a calendar of like how many days we saw each other a year. Um, that was funny. We tried to keep up with that, but you know, we made it work and I think it was good. We're both very independent, so we don't really, not that we don't care if the other one's not there, but we were okay to be alone. Um, and we understood each other's job. So I think that helped immensely because we both got it. We knew we couldn't see each other because of something. It wasn't um, by choice. And I think that we just made it work and we were constantly meeting up either halfway or someone would go there, someone would come here the next time, but we just somehow made it work. Yeah, you know, and it helped that, you know, I was a head coach. She worked for Pizzanello, the greatest guy ever. And so she had, she was able to have some time. But um, I don't think one thing we didn't never did was we never won on the same day a lot. That was something we would, we would talk about. Last night, we both won, yeah. which is good. We both won uh, last night. 
but um, you know, you make it work and it actually helps that we both know the business and, you know, we, we both understand recruiting and preparation and, and the time that we have to put into it. Well, it's interesting too. Then the dichotomy, you, you, again, Phil, you're, you're coaching a UMBC division one program and Ashley, you're an assistant at the time. Of course, you probably face off a few times uh, in that realm, but then Ashley, you decide to take the, the jump to your own head coaching career and go into division three. And now there's a whole new barrier as it were, because you're now in charge of your own program. But as we know, in division three, you're kind of on 365. Yeah. Did yeah. that make it more challenging or did you find that because of it, you almost could free things up a little bit? I think it's uh, cool. So in general, division three, it's a student athlete balance. That's what we strive for. And I played division three. So I understood that. So I think there is a little bit more wiggle room there and, you know, summers and, and stuff like that. The kids aren't here in the summer, whereas D1, you have them all summer. Um, so definitely it gave some, some freedom that way, but yeah, the first year was intense for me. I had to totally revamp a program and I was probably there more at school than I was seeing him. But again, we made it work and, you know, any opportunity we had time to see each other, we would find a way to do it. Phil, I'm kind of curious. You eventually leave UMBC. I I'm actually more curious about what drew you then to division three. Well, it's more about opportunity. I mean, being back up in the area. Um, I'm from Long Island, Ashley's yep. family's from Bergen County. You know, we live in Bergen County now, and uh, th this CMSV is just a wonderful place. Uh, as our new president, Dr. Burns, calls it the right place on the river. Um, you know, I'm now the athletic director here. There was a lot of opportunity here. So um, it, was, it was a good fit. And, and you know, look, I, I, ran, I ran a division, division two program, two division two programs for six years, and then 17 at UMBC. It's a lot. You, you yeah. kind of get... You kind of need a change. Of course, your change is AD and basketball coach. We right. could decide whether that was yeah. the same or not. That, yeah, I could. I see your sarcasm. And the, the <laughs> thing there is that, um, you know, as Ashley just said, you're, you are limited in the time you could spend with your student athlete right. um, in Division Three. I think it hurts Division One that you're with your student athletes all year. It, it gets to be too much. Um, you know, fall, winter, spring, summer, uh, it just never ends. And so I think the division three model is, is outstanding. I think, you know, we might need a little more time with our players on the court, maybe in the preseason, but um, I, you know, I actually could do both because you're limited on, on, on when you see your team. Sure. No, that's a very good point. Uh, fast forward a little bit. You, you take over that job. She's at Rutgers Newark. I, I noticed you guys didn't play right away it just this took some time was there a bit of massaging the idea to, to see if you guys wanted to go mano a mano for lack of a better term well the my first year the schedule was already made so that yeah, that, that was done there true. and then uh we were gonna play um during the covid year yeah um they only played eight games the skyline didn't play right um, true. and obviously the division three canceled its winter championships right. um but the idea did was was brought about. We were hanging out watching TV one day, Ash. Yeah, I mean, I think right when he got the job, it was like this will happen. Just when is it going to happen? Um, I I think that 
beforehand he was a little hesitant and now like, after it he's still hesitant to continue it now so um i don't feel that way I'm, I'm i'm all for it but he he didn't like the feeling i think well it's probably helpful it's a non-conference game yes yeah it's yeah. not forced yeah as being a conference game it's not twice a year as a conference game right it's what you guys want to do with it so that's certainly helpful with it um i am kind of curious leading up you know we talked there's scouting, there's preparation. This is what they're going to do all that. How in the world does a, do you prepare to go against your spouse who you should know what they're going to do and all that. And B, how do you even walk around each other while you're trying to prepare for that game? Well, so I had three games that week, so I was not even home. So I barely saw him, which was probably Yes. And then, like you said, we know each other's system and, and everything so well. It kind of was funny to scout and to to prepare our teams. And then my team knows Phil very well. So they were very into it because they like him, but they wanted to beat him and mess with him. And um, just oh, we do a lot of the same things he does differently, too. So it was kind of like. I don't, I don't, it was very strange, but, but we, we did what we had to do. It was just like another game we had to prepare for. So. Sure. Well, funny part of that, Dave, is that uh, she had uh, 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 one of our starters was going to be out for the game. So on like Wednesday, you know, putting the scout together and I'm like, Ash, who's the fifth starter going to be like, you know, you're going to tell me she's like, no. <laughs> so I, I, starters too. So I called my father-in-law. And he wouldn't tell me. And uh, I, of course, guessed wrong. But, you know, <laughs> it's funny, the preparation, you know, normally, you know, the way we play, we want you to know what we're doing because we're either going to get a backdoor or a handoff. And um, it's funny, we run our out-of-bounds plays. We have 10 of them, 1-1 one, one again, 2-2 two, two again, 3-3 three, three again, 4-4 four, four again, 5-5 five, five again. And the again is a counter to one. And most teams think we're running the same play, but we're not. It's one again. <laughs> So I call one again and Ashley is screaming at her team. It's, it's a counter. It's a counter. So there was a little advantage for things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, we just prepared like we normally would. And a lot of my, my kids are new. So some of them hadn't even met Ashley before. It also comes down to execution. I, I can go off on a whole tangent here if I wanted to, but, you know, talk about uh, coaches talk about not wanting others to be able to scout them and all that. Really, it just comes down to execution though. You two could know each other's systems cold. If somebody's not going to execute, it really doesn't matter. Exactly. And that's, that's kind of what we've been saying too, about these teams that don't want to put up their film on, on synergy. Who cares now? Everyone right. sees everything. There's video everywhere. You know, you can see everything now. So yeah. And the other thing is, it's, it's, yeah, the coach knows everything the other team's going to do, but there's five players on the court. And if four of them execute it well and the fifth guy doesn't, whatever you told them didn't work anyway. No, so. that's a great point. Uh, great point. So I'm curious, what was it like just in the pregame? I mean, there's usually the handshakes and there's usually, hey, how are you? As when coaches get to see each other in pregame, I'm kind of curious how pregame went. Did you guys, did you guys acknowledge one another or did you avoid one another? <laughs> Well, it started in the morning because I had to get up early. We had we had a big day here with the Hall of Fame bank, banquet in the evening. Our game was at one o'clock and about eight o'clock. I was like, all right, I'm taking off. And I'm like, you know, what what time are you showing up? Like, what time is the bus coming? And she just kind of blew me off. She's like, I'm dealing with the dogs right now. We have a new dog sitter coming over and everything. So she finally texted me. They were on the way. 
I had a little surprise for her in the locker room and her team. I put a bunch of our wedding pictures and dog pictures in their locker room. <laughs> and she could talk about the reaction there. Yeah. Like, oh my God, that's so cute. And I'm I'm not that type of person. So I'm like, all right, let's go. Let's get tapes. Let's get out there. Keep it moving. Let's go. A little, a little psychology game going on here. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm trying to soften them up a little bit, you know. Yeah. Well, and to be uh, honest, it seems like she was kind of playing one in the morning too. So <laughs> You guys yeah, are definitely going for it. That's true. See, I didn't even realize, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, interesting. But we had an amazing um, day because we, you know, we did a fundraiser for uh, Snar Dog Rescue, which is where we adopted our second puppy in COVID. And so we, uh, we, all the proceeds from the game, t-shirt sales and things like that went to them. They had puppies at the game. Uh, and uh, it was just an awesome day for everybody. Our campuses both got really involved. Um, and, uh, we had a lot of friends and family there. So the pregame was more of that than Ashley and I. This seems it doesn't have, as you said before we recorded, Phil hasn't been refuted yet. It seems to be the first time a husband and wife have, have gone toe to toe on the coaching ranks with their teams. In other words, using their teams to, to get out the frustrations maybe of the relationship. Um, how, how has the reaction been? You kind of hinted at that both schools got into it, but how's the reaction been within the school communities? How's the reaction been in the coaching ranks and whatnot? It's, it's been pretty cool. I, I mean, you haven't said it yet, but we won. Yeah, I was getting there. Slowly. Uh, so I had a lot of text afterwards. Uh, you know, do you need a place to stay tonight? <laughs> I have an extra couch. You know, at the Hall of Fame banquet that night, they made an announcement that Phil beat his wife. I said, Phil did not beat his wife. <laughs> we won a basketball game. That's um, so bad. But it was cool. It, 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 a lot of people were into it. A lot of people um, got a kick out of it. And a lot of people who know us thought it was something that we should have done. Yeah. And I think too, like, uh, we're friendly with a bunch of people, you know, Maureen McGarity got to play her father last year. She texted me after, you know, it's just a cool thing that a lot of people don't get to do. Um, I got to play for my dad in high school and then I got to coach against my husband in, in college now. So it, it's pretty cool. Are there any relatives left for Ashley for you to go after? <laughs> you never know, you know, but out on the men's side, the men's side. Yeah. yeah we got to flip you over to the men's side. That's true. But you know, it, it's weird because I didn't like yeah. coaching the game against her. It was when, they, when the game started, I'm like looking down there. I'm like, what are we doing? Are we being competitive? Are we being, being our normal selves? Sure. And then like the first bad call, we're both off and, you know, it, it's a regular, it's a regular game and we're both horrible to officials. So, <laughs> um, you know, no, we're then not. it becomes a regular game. But, but as you're playing the game, there's a reason I wouldn't play my buddy Pete or Tony Bazella at Seton Hall when it or when is that I, I hated playing my friends and when I was division one coach and this is the reason why someone has to lose yeah you'd rather beat somebody you don't like or you don't know that's hard to do in the coaching ranks so you guys all get to know each other yeah but you don't like all of them, so. <laughs> I know I realize that yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you said it officially yeah <laughs> so Ashley, you're you. Was there, I mean, obviously you didn't come out the victor, which was unfortunate, I know, for you guys, but was there was there a point where it was fun or was it completely competitive the whole time? 
no, I, I, and I came back from it afterwards too. And I was like, it was a great game. You know, we didn't play to our standard till the fourth quarter. And that's when the game got fun. Um, you know, if we had another minute, we'd probably come away with the win, but unfortunately we didn't do that, but I thought it was fun, but maybe I would have felt the same way if we would have won. I don't know. Sure. By the way, I'm mentally going to take a note to contact the, the basketball committee. Should you both make the tournament? Just I have some ideas. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Same region. Maybe maybe second round just to make it more of a game. Oh. I don't you're know. Gonna, we'll you're gonna, um, giving us a lot of credit. Yeah. Round there. Yeah. I know. Uh, I, I know it was a fundraiser, but and, and I and I know it was it was for fun and there was competitiveness and obviously you're. I mean, we're on separate zooms here. We're assuming it's just because you're in different offices. <laughs> um, but I. Would you do it again? I mean, is this something you want to put on the on the schedule to to do? Maybe every year. I don't want to assume schedules are tough. I realize that. But Ashley, would you would you do this game again? Yeah, absolutely. In a heartbeat. Phil? <laughs> I'll do it because I, I listen to Ashley. But, um, you know, right after the game, my thought was eh, it was fine. But once is enough. But yeah, we'll we'll do it again. We'll go over to Rutgers Newark next year. Um, and, and again, the biggest part would be the, the fundraiser, you know, to keep, keep that going. Uh, but I think our kids, our teams both enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, that's part of it as well. I mean, it doesn't matter what I think. It's what the student athletes think and what my wife thinks. So I'm the, I guess we're doing it again. Yeah. Again, you're on separate zooms. Again, we believe that's based on work. Um, obviously you had a busy night, Phil, but when you did come home, you two talked to each other, right? There <laughs> That Absolutely. everything was fine. The puppies didn't have to get in the way to. No. Every, uh, you know, everybody was exhausted, but, um, sure. but everything was fine. And, um, you know, both teams, I mean, did some really good things. So we both had things to, you know, take forward with us so early in the year. So that's important as well. And then it helped. We both won last night. So that yeah. is true. Yeah, that is true. Well, Hey, I, I appreciate the fun. Uh, and I appreciate the time you took to tech to join me. And Ashley, I'll say it publicly. Thanks for kind of putting a bug in my ear going, Psst, you know, this game's coming up. No, I didn't. Um, I don't, I don't keep track of the relationships as well as I should, but now I may have to. <laughs> you have to now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, by the way, Ashley, huge family of coaches. I've got to ask before we go. And I want to quickly ask about your teams also. What was it like to be in that kind of family where coaching has been kind of synonymous? Yeah. So growing up, we were driving to Vermont every other weekend to check a game when my uncle was there. Um, then he was at Syracuse, which was, was amazing. You know, uh, I was in high school at the time and I loved Diana Taurasi and she was on UConn. So if they played UConn, we'd go up for the night and my dad would, would drive us and drive us right back. And, you know, I give him credit for, he, he was teaching and coaching and driving us all night and then coming back home to, to go to school the next day. And, you know, I, I look at him as my role model of why I wanted to do this. And then um, my cousin's now the, um, an assistant at Pitt. Um, so it's just been really, it, it's, it's all we know. My sister's not a basketball player, but she knows all the lingo and she has to get involved with everything too. And, you know, my mom's an avid basketball lover now because of our family. And, you know, it's kind of all we talk about sometimes. And I think Phil gets sick of it too. Um, but it's just what we know and, and what I've grown up with. And I think I always want, knew I wanted to be a coach more than I wanted to be a player. 
Fascinating. I really appreciate that. Someday we'll talk about your, your D3 origin. Phil, yeah. um, I don't know about you, but when she mentioned she remembered watching Tarasi play as a high school player at UConn, I, I felt a little dated. Yeah, same. Um, same. Yeah, that wasn't my case. <laughs> Pretty sure I was out of college by that point. But anyway. I know I was out of college <laughs> at that point. Hey, Phil, give me a quick, before I let you go, I'd love to hear more mm -hmm. about your team, how you guys, uh, what you expect to do this season. Obviously, you're playing, which is yeah. important, but just kind of give, give, give us a, a synopsis of that. Yeah, we're really excited to be playing. You know, the Skyline is obviously a competitive conference. I, I know you do a lot of Yeshiva coverage for the men's side. A little side, bit. And, and the women's side is uh, is pretty competitive, probably a little more balanced. Um you know, when I took it over a couple of years ago, you know, the goal was to make the playoffs because they had to make the playoffs. And we did that. And uh, we went, we were 14 and 10 that year. And we have a couple of returning players, um, Victoria Hanley, Kira Villegas, Des Brown uh, and Kat Amodio, who understand what we're doing. And we're trying to get the rest of our young ladies to get on board. Again, we haven't you, know, you get to start October 15th. So you have to, have to kind of put things in incrementally a little different than at the other levels. Uh, but we have an amazing uh, junior college transfer, uh, Amber Bean uh, from Herkima, who is already averaging almost a triple double for us. And uh, wow. it'll be a fun season for us with three and oh, I mean, with a huge win, obviously over Rutgers, Newark, uh, uh, really, you know, catapulting us <laughs> the rest of the way. Wow. Uh, but, but it'll be, it'll be competitive and, you know, um, you know, for our young ladies, it's about getting better every day and, uh, you know, want to know in the league and, and we're looking forward to it. I mean, I was worried about what you guys were doing after the game in relationship. Now I'm worried about after this interview airs. Yeah. Well, well, this is the problem. Now I'm feeling good about it. Right. Yeah. You know, if you would have talked to us before the game or, or right after the game, it might have been different now. Yeah, sure. I see that I survived it and, you know, maybe could say what I, anything I want right now. <laughs> Oh, and you're also in a different office right That's now. That's true, yeah. yeah. Hey, Ashley, uh, obviously NJAC is a competitive conference, but we've seen a little bit of possible openings in, yeah. in the cracks of the Montclairs. Uh, yeah. how, do you, how do you think you guys stack up this year? What's your team look like? Like you said, the NJAC's brutal. Top, <laughs> top to bottom. You never, I, I say it all the time, you never go to a game and say, oh, we're going to win by 20 today. It's no. never going to happen. Um you know, the, since the year we won it in, um, 1819, it's been different people now. So it's been kind of cool to watch that, um, happen. And, uh, with our group this year, I'm really excited. We returned to everyone from last year, which was only eight games, but we got to work on stuff. We kind of use that as like a trial year. Um, so now putting everything together and having everyone back and adding a few new pieces, I think that we're really exciting and fun to watch. Um, we put in a bunch of different, defenses that we normally don't do but last night Samaya Horton on our team who's a junior had a triple double uh 10 steals 11 rebounds 22 points so you know we have those athletes out there that can do those things somebody different every night so I'm I'm really excited about this group I can't wait till we get to conference but maybe I can wait because like I said it's it's brutal when we, when we play. <laughs> I was gonna say yeah, you, you can't wait to get in there and see how you do. But at the same time, can, can we wait a few more weeks? I really don't want to start taking bumps and bruises just yet. I get uh, it. Hey, I really appreciate the time, you guys, uh, especially a little extra that I thought, but it was fun to chat about all this. I always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you two want to share with those who might be tuning in? Ashley, we'll start with you. 
Um, just really looking uh, forward to this basketball season all across the board. You know, at our house, we have games on every single night and we love every level. And now Phil loves the D3 level too. So I'm just, I'm just excited that we're back to semi-normal. You know, we finally yeah. had fans last night and it was super exciting for our team. So I just can hope it continues to, to go as smoothly as it has. Yeah. I say with me, I'm thrilled that we're playing. I'm thrilled for the student athletes that we're playing um, games again Real quick story that one of the probably the coolest night I've had in in women's basketball and I've been doing this for like 27 28 years was when Ashley won that championship and was it 2018 19 um, 19. To 19 I was at the game and trying to be a fan and it was the most nerve wracking thing I've ever been a part of and again wow. I've been in division one division two tournaments I've been in everything and uh, just being a fan and, 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 and rooting for them to win and, uh, and then them winning and watching her celebrate and watching her kids celebrate was, was probably the coolest night that, you know, that I've had. And, um, and, and division three basketball could bring that. It brings, it brings families together. It's, it's, it's really, uh, an awesome game. And apparently it hasn't separated them. So we're glad <laughs> to see that too. Exactly. <laughs> hey, really appreciate it. Thanks for the humor as well on it all. Uh, congratulations on the season so far and, and look forward to seeing how everything progresses the rest of the way. Take care of yourselves. And we look forward to the second round, uh, maybe as soon as next year. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate time. Absolutely. Take care of yourselves. Really want to thank Ashley and Phil for their time. It was a lot of fun to chat with them. A lot of fun to hear that dynamic about not only how they, how they met and how this relationship has worked out, but this going against one another on the on the floor. Uh, great to hear Phil also take that personal perspective of being at a game that he's not involved with rooting on his wife and, and being involved from that perspective, which he doesn't get a chance to do. So great to chat with him. Really appreciate it. Look forward to seeing them maybe take to the floor again. And seriously, if we have an NCAA tournament, um, and I, if we have it, but if they're in the NCAA tournament, not that I like to see regional opponents get against one another, Maybe a second round game can be kind of set up that if they win, they could, right? Wouldn't that be fun for us? I don't think it would be fun for them. I think it would just be fun for us. When we come back, we uh, wrap up Hoopsville uh, and talk about what we hope will come uh, with the next episode and what we've got on the schedule for the next few, in fact, plus just some thoughts from out here in California. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from, well, really, we're not from the NABC studios, but it's a semi the temporary nabc studios back with more after this this is why we love sports it's in the way they play free from the pressures and all the money talk playing for simply the love of the game where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field this is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. I used to never really talk, ever. 
Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. All right, welcome back to Hoopsville as we wrap up this episode from Indian Wells, California. Again, hoping to get another episode out maybe early in the week before Thanksgiving, before we return back and hopefully have a Hoopsville as well on uh, the Sunday after Thanksgiving from the Hoopsville studios. Um, it all depends on the schedule here and whether we can get some guests booked. We've got some good ideas on some guests. We've been talking to them already about doing some segments. We'll see if we can pull it all together. Next week is going to be a little bit challenging, but we think we might be able to, to pull it off. Um, remember, stick on to d3hoops.com, www.d3hoops.com to check out the latest stories, check out the scoreboard, find out the games you want to watch, see games you haven't seen. I encourage everybody to watch games that aren't necessarily your team or your conference. Go see some other games, whether it's online or in your area, if, if, if fan spectator rules allow. Go embrace the division for more than just your favorite team, even if it's just sitting at home and watching some games or, of course, tuning into Hoopsville. We'll certainly appreciate that. Uh, there's a lot of good basketball ahead. This is that time of year where we get a lot of crossover games all the way through until January when conference schedules certainly take over at that point. So lots of opportunities. Don't be shy. Get a game in, even if you're just watching on your computer, your mobile device, maybe streaming on your TV. Do, I, I cannot encourage it more, especially considering we have missed the basketball season, and it's great to see it back up and running. We'll certainly talk more about what's really going on. We'll talk more to coaches about what's going on. We'll talk about the quirks. Remember, there's there's new rules, like new three-point lines, and there's there's different rules in each sport, and there's different things to be aware of. So we'll try and dive into those things more as uh, our season's or as our week goes on here and, and move forward into December for sure. But again, a reminder, we'll try and put another show together as we're out here. We'll put another show on. We Our, our plan is, we, hint, hint, committee chairs most likely on the show uh, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, among other topics. Worst case, if we move it off of that Sunday, it might be the Monday. We're still working on some details. Um, and then the following Sunday, again, I, I travel for men's and women's soccer championships, so I won't be able to put a show on in for that week on the Thursday. But again, when we either get back or the following Monday, most likely, we'll get another show on. We'll get a few more in before Christmas. We'll get you up to speed, I promise you. Um, if you're watching us on the video, thanks for doing that. And that's our partners at Blue Frame Technology. If you decide you want to use Blue Frame Technology for any of your streaming needs, whether it's using their production truck software or that we use primarily especially for sporting events but uh, a lot of ways for hoopsville as well make sure you mention that we sent them your way just to let them know that you you got a heard you heard of them through us uh, also of course want to thank our partners at the nabc the wbca and of course d3hoops.com if you'd like to be a sponsor or an advertiser on this show please contact us we have opportunities that are available we'll be reaching out to some of our our friends and partners as well uh, as time moves on but if you would like to join in and we don't know about you maybe please let us know we'll certainly love to have a conversation 
with you. In the meantime, I want to thank those who appeared on the show. Of course, Ryan Scott and Bob Quillman. Big thank yous to them for appearing on the show. Really always love chatting with them about their takes on things. And as you heard from those conversations with them, we all have different takes on things. And that's what's so great this season is not everything is so understood. And really, one thought and another thought could literally mean the same thing. So great conversation with them. If you tune into our podcast, by the way, uh, you probably enjoyed that as well. I also want to thank Ashley Saplicki at Rutgers Newark for coming on and Phil Stern from Mount St. Vincent for coming on to talk about their story and, and humoring us and being good sports about it as well. What a fascinating uh, story between the two of them. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to have to find a time to go and, and actually sit down and chat with them sometime because they sound like they're, they, they'd have some great stories to tell. Uh, but I appreciate them taking the time to talk about facing off as his husband and wife uh, with their two teams kind of kind of into it, especially as well. Uh, the dynamic there was pretty fun. Again, good stories coming up that we hope to talk to uh, guests in the near future. Stay with us on Twitter. You'll find out more information there at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Of course, join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. You can also join us at uh, Instagram at D3Hoopsville or email us. Hoopsville at d3sports.com. We'll certainly try and, and reply to your uh, emails. If you have guest ideas, maybe, or you have a story idea we may not know about, or you think we should have an idea about, all of those ways you can get in touch with us, and we'll do our best to stay in touch with you as well. Sorry for the voice. A couple reasons for that. It's late, but also been working all day. You use your voice a lot in, in television production, uh, and I'm a little worn out. So I hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks for being patient with us and our wacky schedule. I get a hint that this might be our future, <laughs> that this might happen again next year, uh, but we'll be better prepared for it that time around as well. In the meantime, enjoy Division Three basketball. Go out there, have fun, either watch them at home, go to games, be, be enthusiastic fans, but be, do me a favor, don't be over the top. We're hearing enough about bad fans uh, and unsportsmanlike behavior. We don't want that. So be good sports out there and enjoy it. And thanks for tuning in, everybody. You've been listening to Hoops, presented by D3Hoops.com from the not so much the NABC studios, but we'll call them from now, our, our hotel room in Indian Wells, California. I want to thank our partners at Blue Frame Technology and the WBCA for their help as well. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you on the next show.